My name is Tom Chick, and you are listening to the Quarter to Three Movie Podcast for Lawless. I am here this week with Christian McClansky. At least you didn't call me an effing Nance. (laughs) And with a lawless tagline, Kelly Wand. Finally a movie where I can understand a fucking word Tom Hardy's saying. (laughs) I don't know that you can use that kind of language in a tagline, Kelly Wand. What? No! (laughs) Say it again. No! Uh, (laughs) uh, So, uh, what did we see? Oh, no. Yeah, yeah. We'll go right over to you. Dingus, (laughs) without spoiling anything, let's do a podcast on Lawless. Tell folks a little bit about Lawless without, you know, ruining the plot or giving away, like, who is whose father or anything like that. Okay. Or whether or not a guy is a dude or a chick. Or if someone's dead. Stop Don't ruining my three by three topic for later. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, well this week we saw Lawless. Mm. A two th- not the Lawless, just Lawless. I don't know what Tom meant by that. Could have been that. It's a two thousand twelve American crime drama gangster movie. Mm-hmm. About three bootlegger brothers from Franklin County, Virginia in the nineteen thirties. Oh. It was uh, directed by John Hillcoat and written by Nick Cave based on the historical novel The Wettest County in the World by Matt Bondurant. It stars Tom Hardy, Sheila Booth, Jason Clark, Guy Pierce, Jessica Chastain, and Dane DeHaan! Yeah! Yeah, Dane. Uh, Lawless is rated R for oh, strong, yeah. bloody violence. Mm-hmm. And, go on. Language. Go on. And some sexuality slash nudity. Yes, Kelly Wand? In Canada, a little bit. Yeah, I, I, I'll go to that. <laughs> In Canada, there's no R rating. It's just like PG-14 or something. So if you're 15, you can go see Lawless in Canada. If you're 15, you can't go see it in the, the U.S.? Yeah. Is that right? Interesting. I, I didn't hear a word of that. But the PG <laughs> and the R ratings... Up here, like the same, they read the same. If you read the fine print, it just goes, "Oh, you probably won't like it, and it's really violent." Uh, well, let's see. It, it for its opening weekend, it made thirteen million. Not not bad, I guess. Uh, Could have done worse. Uh, it came in number two behind a crappy horror film. Apparently, that's not Tom, good news. Yes, you haven't seen that. I haven't seen what? The Possession. Maybe it's no. awesome. It is not awesome, please. I will bet you dollars to donuts, Kelly Wan. The Possession is awful. I don't know. We'll see. Uh, The director of The Possession did do a a cool horror movie called The Substitute. Not the thing with Treat Williams, uh, which uh, is... The one with Jim Belushi. No, there are no Americans in it. It's a guy named Ulrich Thomas, who you... You will probably see him and go, oh, I like that guy. Uh, he was in Season of the Witch, Kelly Wand. And this really awesome actress named Paprika Steen, who plays... <laughs> oh, I love that name. It is an awesome yeah. name. And Paprika Steen, in The Substitute, directed by the guy who they brought over to do the p- possession, Paprika Steen plays an alien whose substitute teaches a, a Danish a Den, a, a, yeah, a Danish class of like schoolboys. What? Everything I just said is what I meant to say. That sounded good. Was it? <laughs> uh, so, yeah, anyway, yeah, so uh, Lawless came in behind Possession. Uh, 
Made thirteen million on Metacritic, which gives you the average rating from reviews that use ratings. It is this a 50... the one I take seriously, by the way. This is the one you like. You don't like the Rotten yeah. Tomatoes? Okay. Yeah, that one's bullshit. That one you thought. See, I'm, I'm I'm the other way around. I don't care. This Metacritic couldn't care less about it. Uh, Lawless on Metacritic is at fifty eight. See, let's well, see. Let's see right. <laughs> yeah, let's see. Here we go on Rotten Tomatoes, which simply gauges whether or not a review is positive. And then tells you the percentage of reviews that are positive. Lawless is at 65. 65 ah, you win this one. Are positive. <laughs> Damn it! <laughs> Fuck you, Lawless. Well, I totally had that sewn up. Let's see how we do next week. Check the Tom's tomato strategy. Uh, Kelly Wan, why don't you now go ahead? If you have not seen Lawless and you are worried about spoilers, uh, Kelly Wand is going to ruin <laughs> it for you. Right. Yeah, Kelly Wand, why don't you? Uh, Maybe spoil a thing or two in Lawless. What would you call it if you were to come up to someone and, like, spoil Lawless for them? Would there be a oh, word for that? Oh, you mean a Lollopsis? That's exactly what I was expecting you to say. Really? Am yeah. I acceptable? That one, that one I could sort of figure out where it was going. Yeah. Uh, I want to redo it now. Hey, <laughs> you have to give me a scene from Airborne before the end of the podcast. All right, but let's have a lawless... Uh, In the meantime, <laughs> back to what we were talking about. All right. A lolopsis, but will it be a lolopsis? <clears throat> the following words that I wrote baked are based on a movie that I watched after the words based on a true story came on screen. I added some jokes and bullshit to make it less boring, but probably not enough. Transformers Homewrecker and Crystal Skull Whistleblower Shia LaBeouf plays Fredo, the <laughs> pussy youngest brother of a triad of redneck <laughs> Wait, I don't even know. I had that. I'm so happy. You just made me very happy. See? <laughs> Running Louisiana moonshine to Alabama during the 1920s era of exhibitionism. That's when cackling naked guys in straw hats and suspenders streaking across county lines. Anyway, if I could sum up Lawless in a single convoluted sentence, or as the internet calls it, Eastwooding, it'd be how S-Lob, <laughs> that's what I call him, courageously overcomes his, his child actor's shameful inability to shoot a defenseless pig in the head, by eventually and heroically getting himself and his brothers shot to pieces on a bridge while chasing down an Australian Nazi who's out of bullets. <laughs> but back to Act 1. Back to Act 1, or as Southerners call it, prohibition. <laughs> Business for the country bears is going great until some assholes from Louisiana's biggest city, Chicago, show up and start demanding money to not shoot them and blow up their distilleries. Fucking Yankees always sticking their noses into profitable commodities rackets and combing their hair. Anyway, <laughs> the Tom Hardy brother's name is Forrest because he has the same personality and resistance to pen knives as a block of wood. Shy as Fredo, just like in Crystal Skull, and I forget the middle brother's name, he's notable for being the crazy one and not having a love interest. I know which character I am. <sighs> Jessica Chastain shows up one day and stares at Tom Hardy for a couple minutes and goes, Well, do I get the job? <laughs> <laughs> 
So he hires her as a bartendress, <laughs> even though liquor's illegal. So I guess she's a waitress, although they make no food either. So when their only customers ever consider Jessica Chastain the only thing on the menu ever, I can see both sides. <sighs> Boss Hogg and Sheriff Lobo show up one day <laughs> to shake down the Duke boys. <laughs> it's going so much better than I would have predicted. To sweeten the honeypot, they promenade a tittering, foppish Nazi from Chicago named Guy Pierce. Don't know the actor's name. Around the driveway for a few minutes. But since it's not the end of the movie yet, nobody shoots anybody. No money changes hands either. Other bootneckers may enjoy paying money when a guy in a suit shows up from the big city to giggle in their driveway, but Tom Hardy's got just one word for that shit. No. <laughs> just pretend I read it funny. Shia LaBeouf has a thing for this smoking hot Amish chick, played by that quasi-Catherine Heiglish girl Tom and even Dingus are always going on about, who was in in treatment and fucking invented Hong Kong at the end of Alice in Wonderland. There's a literal running gag about how Shia has to run away from the stagecoach whenever he's making time with Heigl before her dad coming out of the feedback store sees him and goes, What the? And chases him around. Although, what's the dad going to do? He's 80. Plus, the Amish don't have any weapons. Except Harrison Ford. And he wouldn't turn against his own son. <laughs> And menti. <laughs> so I can't believe that's a fucking word. Lost the national treasure off to Butterworth, my own court. Bluegrass Roots is the Duke Boys tar, apostrophe E. Strategy's not one of them. Tom Hardy falls for the old screwy car part under the hood trick. And that's what the while we cut your throat and rape your girlfriend trick, but he counter-tricks them by putting his hands over the wound and catching frostbite in his jugular vein. Although Hardy recovers outwardly, his speech patterns and characterization are never quite the same. <laughs> if anything, tragically, he's slightly more intelligible and sympathetic. <laughs> I like to spell shit out. Meanwhile... Shia LaBeouf and his even pussier sidekick, Cricket, run some gasoline across county lines. But Cricket forgot to fill up the tank before they left, so they have to pour some in en route. So that's suspenseful. When they finally get to their sinister midnight rendezvous, as planned, Shia Parks pats the tinfoil carburetor and says to the bunch of snarling KKK guys waiting for them, Well, sir, here you are. 50,000 G's worth of alcohol, totally unguarded, except for me and my retarded, unarmed 12-year-old deputy here. Anyway, y'all can pay us in dimes. We was going to stop by the speakeasy on the way back for a hogshead of sarsaparillums. Understandably, they get tossed into a hole and are about to get shot, but at the last second, Shia yells something like, Something, something, Hazard County, so then they don't shoot him. Someone trouble paying attention to this movie. To celebrate, Shia LaBeouf takes his Amish chick on a date to a haystack where the Chicago Nazi lives in his tuxedo, and the date's a success in that the Nazi breaks Cricket's neck, burns their distillery, and the Amish chick burns the dress that Shia got her. Not using the same flames from the burning distillery, although she does use Cricket's hair as kindling. Oh. I don't know. 
Uh, anyway. Cricket, cricket Pate. I know. I feel bad, but I don't. And Shia cops a feel off Guy Pierce's cheek with his shoe. Been on that date. There's a montage of other shit burning for no reason, and anachronistic music playing, and Guy Pierce staring pensively at nothing. But nobody else dies, even though this movie only has like three characters in it. Uh, Chicago's also a tar and feather a character I couldn't remember seeing before, and they also put a placard on him that says bootlegger, so everybody gets that it was a punishment and not a hazing. Shia LaBeouf doesn't take the death of his naive in over his head chum too badly until the mayor arrives in his Model T and tries to smooth things over by going, look kid, Chicago Nazis and 12-year-olds windpipes, what are you going to do? If it makes you feel better, me and 30 other dudes set up a roadblock on a bridge a few miles from here. Bye-bye now. Shia drives by himself to the bridge and gets shot in the stomach the second he gets out of his car. (laughs) It's like he's the sword guy in the first Indiana Jones. Then his brothers show up and I'll get shot too, except for the middle one. But the dying Duke boys trick them by a couple jalopy fulls of deus ex machina necks, suddenly pulling up in a cloud of moonshine fumes. So the outgunned Chicagans grudgingly let Shia LaBeouf shoot the Nazi a few times until he finally gets a kill shot from three feet. In a creepily Norman Rockwellian coda, the whole family survives unscathed and celebrates World War II by having Christmas dinner with their now wives and kin. Tom Hardy shows his grandkids the scrotum he cut off some dude who raped grandma one time, but explains he didn't know about the rape yet and only did it because he was avenging his throat. The stone grandkids all fascinating, Hardy, but why don't you do that famous dance that's suddenly being referenced for the first time in the movie? <laughs> Although, can you do it on the thin ice outside before we go to sleep? Tom Hardy does just that. An ancient author, Shia LaBeouf, suddenly our narrator, even though he still sounds 13. As with a wise twinkle in his voice, he recounts that Tom Hardy, Tom Hardy caught pneumonia and died, but from something else not worth depicting. The end. Oh, thank you, Kelly Wand. So, let's see, Lawless, uh, from the fellow who did the prop. Who here's uh, seen the proposition? I'm raising my hand. Kelly Wand, have you seen The Proposition, also written by Nick Cave? I don't see movies by this director and this writer with a the in it. Luckily, Nick Cave, I don't think, wrote The Road, so you're okay there. Yeah. He sucks. He's 0 for 3. He'll come, I guess the Proposition's You didn't, you didn't like The pro- no, Proposition's no, no. great. Eh, it's better than this. It again. It's awesome. Are you kidding? Yeah. Mm. So that was my thing going in, is I, I thought he was, uh, you know, he was, he, it was a, uh, what's the sports thing? Batting 500. I don't know, whatever. Uh, one good movie, one movie I didn't care for. So uh, I was curious where this but would also land. also a cold streak of one, if you want to do another sports metaphor. A cold streak of one. I don't know what that means, but okay, I, I will accept The road that. was his cold streak, and now it's two. You don't know what a cold Well, you don't know that I didn't like this, do you? <laughs> How do you know that I... Uh, I'll bet you that you didn't. How much? <laughs> uh, Three dollars. Because now you're... you're I'm wondering if it's worth three dollars. You know Six dollars. 
Okay, I'll think about that. Let's go with Dingus first. Dingus, where did this fall? So thumbs up on proposition. I think we were all pretty much thumbs down on the road. How do you feel about Lawless? I hated it. Hated? I, I think it's terrible. Terrible? Yeah. I, I uh, it, I'll tell you why later, Nine but it, 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 kind of, <laughs> it kind of suffers in comparison to something I saw that day that has nothing to do with this and something else I've been watching recently. But I, I think it's horrible. All right, Kelly Wand, uh, while I ponder whether or not to, uh, how far I'm willing to go for $5, uh, did you also, would you say hated and terrible? Um, it's not good, but I think it's worth seeing because it's super, uh, Sam Peck and Pop violent. I did Although like the violence a lot. Hurt. Yeah, I like the violence a lot. I kind of miss movies that were this violent. Although no one stayed hurt, like Shia LaBeouf's like super heel power. The funny thing is that that violence normally you expect to also have some emotional violence and do terrible yeah. things to the characters, but all of the violence here is pretty inconsequential, except yeah. for poor Dean 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 Is that what a drama is? Is if you don't give a shit when the villain dies, it's therefore a drama because it's less dramatic. I think it, it 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 was almost it almost just wanted to play like a straight up action movie or something I think where but it did seem like it was jerking us around a little bit like I really thought that they had killed Tom Hardy halfway through and I thought wow that's pretty brave I mean it was kind yeah. of like I don't want to spoil anything but we saw a movie with the words uh, kingdom and animal in the title that did something similar which was awesome I mean that had this awesome emotional impact so I was kind of briefly proud of lawless for doing the same thing and they pulled back and that happened like two or three times yeah i almost I, expected I can't dame... wait to hear all the uh oh sorry go ahead tom i was gonna say i almost expected dame Dehan at the very end to be i'm okay he's having dinner with them and so is Guy Pierce. <laughs> uh but what are you what were you gonna say dingus uh, i can't wait to hear all the awesome violence you guys are talking about well, mainly I, the, I just can't uh, wait to hear. Oh, uh, volume, it. not so much. I can't. Find. Well, the uh, the the um the I don't know if they were brass knuckles or what they were, but but you know, know the the way they were portraying whatever was going on with that thing Tom Hardy had in his pocket, I thought was pretty cool. There was a lot of muzzles and fists to the mouth. I liked a lot <laughs> in this movie. Well, the guy Pierce, but no teeth getting knocked out. Curious. No teeth getting knocked out. Yeah, you're right. And oh, and shit. guy Pierce beating Shia LaBeouf early on. That was pretty. I like that a lot. And I like, I always like when an actor will wear makeup to make his eye look all bloodshot. And, uh, like, I kind of liked some of uh, yeah. that there. I mean, we say it was consequence. It's a lot of work. At least he had, I've been beaten up makeup on for a while. So I kind of appreciated that. Do, um, you, owe, do you owe me $9? No, no, I didn't like it. I can't. Ah. can't go so you owe far. me $9. That's what I'm talking about. Do you even understand what the bet was? No. <laughs> well, I didn't take it. I was going to take Nine it. Nine bucks, bitch. I was going to take it and then lie. And then, but I did not accept the bet. I knew you couldn't lie about this movie because I knew I'd seen the movie. <laughs> I go, there's no way. I, I was could, hoping uh, I could have gotten. You know I could point at so Rotten Tomatoes, sixty-five percent of the reviews are positive. I could have been one of those. I could have really? said. I could have said. You know That's what? Yours, though. All I've wanted, you know, I really wanted a hillbilly Goodfellas, and I finally got it. You know, I could have taken that angle. It was a hillbilly casino, unfortunately. Ah, <laughs> well very good. Very good. Uh, so, Dingus, that's pretty strong language. Uh, hated and terrible. I'm not necessarily yeah, sure I'd go that far. Cause, uh, but, but what? Why is your reaction so strong? Well, I don't see like uh, I don't see the violence you guys are talking about in any useful way in this movie. I mean, you you talk about his brass knuckles, 
And the first time we see them is after he gives this, when he's not grunting, he's saying poetic long passages for no reason. And then he punches that first guy who's trying to steal from them. Right. Um, and then later, uh, in the scene in the bar, which I can't tell one henchman in this movie from another. I don't know who the fuck any of the bad guys are. Uh, but Howie, Howie was, Howard was supposed to show up to protect him from these two random dudes at the bar. Right. And then there's this weird fight. And uh, he and Tom Hardy punches one of them so that his face seems to drain out. I mean, there's this liquidy sound, which is very violent. But the guy just shows up later and rapes and kills. So, I, you know, even in that one scene in the cabin, which is this this uh, weird, we're going to cut off everybody's balls scene. And then Shia LaBeouf is apparently going to put them in a jar and wrap them in pink paper. (laughs) That's his superpower. Um, yeah, you don't True even story. see any of that violence. You don't see any... I mean, I don't think any of it really matters, and it it all culminates with the worst shootout of all time, I think. Um, it is pretty weird, yeah, yeah. It's, it, I don't think... Th- it's I, the, the problem is, and and I, I, I thought maybe the problem was me. This, I've seen two things. Uh, one of them was that day, for some reason, I decided to watch Miller's Crossing before I went to this. It, ah, it, they had well, nothing yeah. to do with each other. And you have that awesome that awesome shootout with Leo and the Tommy gun. Right. And then it's followed up, for me, seeing this movie, where Gary Oldman runs into town and shoots a couple of ATU agents. And that's that. And I don't even know who Gary Oldman is in this movie or why he's in it. It drives me up the <laughs> fucking wall. So, so Miller's Crossing destroys this movie uh and and it's it's supposed to be a historical novel that this guy matt bondurant who's the grandson and grandnephew of these two guys uh put together based on family stories and whatnot well good then if, if you're going to do that if you're going to paste all that together and then make a movie out of it then kind of make it more dreamy and do, do something with it don't make it so literal but then the other thing i've been watching over the last year or so is justified and yes they're completely different time periods but the, the way Justified handles this sort of rural, weird crime family drama is so superior to the way this dopey movie handles it. I, I just couldn't stand this movie. Justified does uh, balances a very fine line of, of not sneering at w- what are basically Southerners. Like, like Justified is Tennessee. This is, I guess, Virginia, but. Uh, Kentucky. Kentucky, Kentucky. Jeez, Jesus. I keep doing that. Thank you. <laughs> uh, but 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 Justified has this this odd, almost winter's bone kind of respect for, and it's playing a lot of them comically. By the by the way, uh, but a lot of times I felt like uh, like Lawless was almost like pushing it for laughs. Like when they showed that old lady buying her moonshine, and it almost had this weird kind of Coen Brothers sneer to it at times. Um, that yeah, the justified avoids, and I really respect that in Justified. Nick Cave's not a, a hillbilly; he doesn't know that area. Well, I don't think he knows. You know, they wrote the proposition, and, and I don't think he knows that either. You know, the proposition is Australia in the uh, what nineteenth century. Um, so you know, Dingus mentioning you know that it should have a kind of a dreamy quality. Like I wonder, it seems more like they're kind of caricatures here, or exaggerations, I guess. They're stereotypes, and, and there's yeah. no point of view about anything. Well, what what really bugged me most of all is I didn't see any sort of developed relationship amongst the four brothers. Right. Uh, you know, I got that Cricket was the poor disabled well, one. Just, and, Cricket's just a friend, isn't he? Is he a brother? I thought he was one of their brothers. Yeah, he wasn't it four brothers? 
I think it's just three brothers, and Cricket is his sad, crippled friend that doesn't seem crippled until the very end. Kelly Wand, can you... Kelly, I don't care. <laughs> it's too boring to even... Right, let's just say for the sake of uh, uh, settling it, it's four brothers. Go ahead, Tom. Well, whatever the case, like, uh, I didn't understand, you know, I understood the relationship to Cricket, is that he was the lovable one that was vulnerable, that you could sort of see was going to be set up as, as one of the ones that would get killed and, yeah, spur them into action. But otherwise, like, early on when Shia LaBeouf gets beaten by Guy Pierce and Tom Hardy is talking to him, I thought there, you know, this is a great scene where we're going to understand their relationship and... He, Tom Hardy's either going to say, you know, we're with you, or you have to handle this on your own to be a man. Like, I had no idea what really transpired in that scene, and that was consistent throughout the movie. Is I was like, who is angry at whom about what, and who feels how about whom, and... There's the no movie... follow-through on that scene. No, there? no, it's it's just Tom Hardy seems annoyed at him. And that's yeah. what... One of the things that drives me crazy is how the transitions and the editing... This is a good editor. I don't understand what the hell that is. I mean, we don't even get the the, the standard idea of uh, he's just gotten beat up and his brothers find him in Val Revenge. It's just he got beat up, and then some indeterminate time later, he's at the bar with makeup filling up salt shakers, and Tom, and Tom Hardy seems annoyed. Yeah, yeah. So that, that that's, that's the stuff that drove me batty, is... Uh, because I, it's a good cast. I mean, I'm not sold on Shia LaBeouf though, but I, you know, I certainly like Jessica Chastain, and I, I love Tom Hardy, and it's so nice being able to see his face for Pete's sake. I mean, Bar <laughs> uh, Solo this year, isn't it? Well, you know, but Jessica Chastain, even though, again, that whole scene where he finds out that she's been raped, I don't think they knew what they were doing with that scene. I don't think, you know, it, it, Kelly Wand, as you point out, it makes no sense because they've already wrought revenge on the guys. Like, dramatically, it's in a weird spot. Uh, they don't. They almost seem to like want to play a joke there, where Tom Hardy uh, says, "Oh, I thought I did walk to the hospital." You know, that's almost like a got a laugh in my eyes. Yeah, yeah. That's, yes. that's the best line in the movie, and then they ruin it with his whole discovering the rape thing. Which, do, yeah, does Which nothing. And, nothing. And, and, but the thing is, I really like Jessica Chastain, and I liked how she was trying to work that scene, but there was nothing there for her. You know, the first did, thankless role. They didn't. Yeah, they didn't do much. <laughs> Well, you uh, see that? Oh, dang! What she's she plays a cop in that Texas Killing Field. She she has to play opposite Sam Worthington in a, oh, in a crime drama. So that's pretty. That thankless. sounds pretty thankless. Oh, right? oh, and also in uh, the Debt. You guys should see that. Yeah. That's that's kind of. Isn't Jason Clark in Texas Killing Fields too? Yes, yes, and I like that guy. It's a thing. Like I liked a lot of the people in the cast. Dingus, I'm glad you mentioned Dane DeHaan. You know, I like that guy. We love uh, some Mia Wasikowska. Um... I, Guy Pierce was immensely entertaining, but seemed like a this weird comic book character. But I, you know, I kind of was amused at him, uh, like I would be amused at a clown. Uh, I bet <laughs> the movie sucked. Oh well, we tried. Well, but that's the thing is, though, I I enjoyed the cast. Uh, and, sure. Um, so, Dingus, you mentioned Justified. Uh, I, I had I, I also loved the production design. Like you know, John Hillcoat did the same sort of thing with the proposition. That movie is gorgeous, and the costumes and the sets uh, just looks fantastic. And I, I thought that was the case here. And I love this time period based on a couple of things. Um, 
there's there's a an early Cormac McCarthy novel called The Orchard Keeper, which Dingus, you've read that, right? Yeah, yeah, I love that. So and and this is the same territory as The Orchard Keeper, you know, that same period, uh, the same kinds of characters, bootleggers and and family relationships, you know, that's what The Orchard Keeper's about. Uh, so I really wanted to like something set in this time period, um, and so I I think I. I wouldn't say I hated it because I did like the cast and I liked the production design and and I liked that time period. It was kind of cool seeing something set in that period, but it did feel like just a big kind of mess. So I like some of the costumes, but I never really believed this as a world. I don't know. I mean, one of the things I liked costume wise, and I'm glad you mentioned costumes. I liked Tom Hardy the way he dressed because yeah. he, he looked like this sort of fat dude in that cardigan thing that he's wearing and <laughs> he carry he carries himself as kind of this lumbering guy and uh, i really liked what he was doing even though he was grunting most of the time at least i could understand him so i, I liked that um i had this uh, revelation while i was watching it uh kelly Wan, do you know light in august the faulkner novel about- uh, i haven't read it so light in August, <laughs> well, light in August, you should read. It's it's, it's really brutal. Um, it's not Faulkner's weird stuff, but it has a a pretty famous. I guess he's an antagonist. He's kind of the protagonist. Like what one of the main characters is this uh, mixed race, laconic, ultimately completely psychotic character named Joe Christmas. Who you know you read light in August, and that guy will get lodged in your brain. And I've never really had a visual for Joe Christmas. I mean the 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 book is such a kind of an internal monologue about this character and what he's going through, and uh, like I, I just had always had a hard time picturing him. But watching Lawless, I was thinking, holy cats! You know, Tom Hardy would make an amazing Joe Christmas. Dingus, do you know Light in August by any chance? Yeah, I do. Um, not as well as As I Lay Dying, but I know what you're talking about. So I, I just watching, and again, that's kind of that same period. Yeah, right? yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. Uh, and I, I just, you know, I really, for the most part, enjoyed watching some of these actors in the period. Well, but- you referenced two books, and they're both by authors I love, and I haven't read either of them. I feel like a fucking idiot. You, you would like both of those books, yeah. And they would make you... I, I don't know if I'm more... I'm saving dis- them up. <laughs> yeah, well, you, you should definitely read both of those. They're, what about they're Sutri? Really Sutri's minor Faulkner. Interesting. <laughs> now, I'm, I, I'm really glad that you liked Jessica Chastain, Tom, because I was... I felt so embarrassed for her in that uh, nude scene. Not that she doesn't look good. It's just that it just feels... I don't understand the need for it in this movie when you're not going to use the violence to its full potential. Then just go for PG-13 and and don't make the actors do that. And and I I started to wonder as I was writing up my notes, do I need to be worried about her? Because she's done a couple of things and and I kind of thought... Was Take Shelter a, a fluke? Is this a Chloe Moret situation? What's going on? So I'm glad to hear that you liked her because I just felt like I didn't get anything off of her because there's nothing for her to do. I, I like Dingus as this uh, this sort of like protector of misguided actresses. <laughs> yeah, sorry. <laughs> this isn't the movie I wanted to see her nude in. <laughs> uh, well, I, I mean, I think what they were going for is this idea that she was from another world and she was could be more openly sexual. And yeah. I agree with you, Dingus. It was kind of a little clumsy 
even though, good lord, she looked pretty glorious. But uh, yeah, yeah. It, it seemed a little clumsy yeah. and weird. And and, and the audience, I the audience, my audience seemed to think this was a comedy because they yeah. really thought they were really amused at Tom Hardy's reaction in that scene. Yep. They thought that was just a, a hoot problem. and a half. <laughs> um, but Dingus, you mentioned the violence like that. I think Kelly Wan, I think you're with me on this. I don't. I think it was very R-rated. You know, there's a lot of blood and uh, tried a little. Yeah, like I, I felt like they they really wanted to push because the proposition was kind of like, like the proposition and, it, and this wanted to be really brutal. Uh, and it went the on. The proposition, like it just proposition. Got... Go ahead, Kelly. No, no, you go ahead. It's fine. I was gonna say the proposition is truly brutal. I mean, you see. You see an Aborigine's head explode. I mean, there's, it seems like that, I, I don't know, it seems like they shy away from that here. I and mean, you Get see, uh, they shy, a, they, <laughs> they, they beef away from Sorry. it here. Um, like that cabin scene I referenced earlier, which we, we don't go into. It's not like we see what's going on. I don't need to see that, but I didn't, I don't understand the coyness. And I don't see the violence you guys are talking about. Maybe I'm just inured to it, but uh, Dingus, the guy I, gets punched in the throat, and yeah, like goes you said, on, his his face slides out from under his chin. It goes on for minutes on end too. That's another thing I liked about it. Shia just gets punched in the in the mouth with a gun butt, if I remember right, for like ten minutes. Yeah. And I'm like, you know what? This movie rules. And then, <laughs> well, but Dingus is right in that it's not as graphic. You know, there is no exploding head. Partly because it's not enough characters, and yeah, yeah, there are stories. So exactly, right. there are not enough disposable characters going around. Uh, but you know what? It, it made me That's think right. of as, the the movie that to me makes Lawless just completely pale in comparison. Even though it's sort of a, it's a different subject, it has a different social consciousness, um, but it's a similar time period and it has a similar approach to violence, where it just kind of erupts suddenly and brutally and incredibly decisively, uh, is Matewan. Like, yeah, Matewan yeah. has that amazing shootout at the end, um, and I thought that bridge scene probably wanted to do something like what you got in Matewan, but they, they, again, they didn't have the disposable characters. They couldn't really kill anyone. And I, I just think that uh, John Hillcoat is no John Sayles. Yeah. There's your sense of place. It was made one. Yeah, yeah. That Wallace wishes it was. I'm just going to regurgitate what you said. <laughs> well, well done, Kelly Wan. Well, if you're talking about sense of place, Proposition has sense of place in spades. And it also has a couple of good shootouts. I mean, it, it opens with one that you don't know what the hell is going on. Uh, and this movie can't. I, I don't know what happened. Did uh, I kind of feel like Nick Cave and John Hellcoat just said, "Let's make an American gangster movie. What can we find?" Uh, and they they originally wrote something from somewhere they knew, and here they were just reaching. Yeah, there were like that montage seemed like a lot of let's just throw in. Uh, it was almost like stock footage of stuff we've seen from movies set in this era. We're going to have cars chasing each other and cops leaning out the window Ugh. shooting. And, it and doesn't even, matter what's going on. Yeah, yeah, it was just like, uh, like Dingus, like, like, these are things we've seen in movies from this era. We're going to do a montage of them. Uh, <laughs> and even, you know, and this was straight out of, I guess, Days of Heaven, maybe, there's a great shot, which I wanted to see more of this, of a dust storm moving in over a city. Yeah, that what was that? So that was just a throwaway shot, Dingus. We're not going to do anything with it. We're just going to show you that and then move on. <laughs> <laughs> there's no there's no consequences or repercussions from that it's just 
Well, it's Tuesday right. in Kentucky. <laughs> right. <laughs> Uh, will somebody Everyone tell me what, what the hell Gary Oldman was doing in this movie? Ah, yeah. is the word I believe comes He's from. playing Margot Martindale's character, but with no basis and no... There's just nothing connected to him at all. What, why is that character in this movie? Well, let's see. He... Why is any of them? You know what, though? Uh, like, Gary Oldman, he gets to shoot that Thompson submachine gun, and he gets to whack a guy with a shovel... That's true. What else does he get to do? Oh, God, that moment where he... he, What's that actor's name? Noah something. Uh, I love that actor. I love his face. Oh, my God, Um, that was Noah Baumbach. Another Australian. What? No, no, not Noah Baumbach. Noah... The guy from... He was in Submarine. He was in the Piano Player movie with Jeffrey Rush. That guy, right? Noah... Yeah, yeah, Noah Noah Shepard or something. I don't know what his last name is, but it's not Baumbach. I can't believe you're right. That was totally him. Yeah, he was most recently, I think, in Submarine... No, it that government. But yeah, you're right. Good call, Bing. And I can't get why he does that, other than this is this is they did something like this in The Untouchables, and that's a movie about prohibition. So let's whack a guy. But he's going to be fine later. (laughs) I thought he killed him, but then he shows up. (laughs) Exactly, he shows up with a black eye. You know, they do a little of the I've beaten. He got hit on the back of the head. I thought (laughs) that gives you a black eye. (laughs) It punches your skull out through your eye. Wait. Ask, get Bruce on the line. Uh, Noah Taylor. Taylor, okay. Taylor? Oh. It was a different occupation besides Shepard. That was Tom's guess, but it was like, it was almost wolf-themed. Well, Dingus, you know what he's doing in there is uh, he and the, the fellow who plays, uh, oh, was it Jason Clark? Uh, what's that guy? Jason guy's? Clark is Howard. Right, the uh, they're Australians. All these, all these people are Australians. Remember that? Oh, guess. okay. It's a, it's a, and John Hilko. You know, they're all Australians hiding their accent, taking jobs from Americans. Um, but there, there's a strong Australian contingency. In they're hillbillies, though, but like in the on an island. One, two, three, <laughs> really? Oh shit! One, one that's the last stupid thing I can say. <laughs> we didn't get to talk about war in LA. That's too bad. Wow, Tom took the bait. See, <laughs> my prank only works. Uh, Tom likes the movie, then it's funny. But then if he doesn't like the movie, I think the music was so "Oh Brother, We're Out There" generic. Except for when you would have some like modern pop song playing. Yeah, you know what that montage scene is like? That sums up everything now. Like, everything's like, hey, remember how great the movies were? used to be set and then empty chair we should do a three by three of best montages yeah let's get on that (laughs) but instead this week oh it's my three by three so instead this week Uh, i thought that was the topic i was fucked yeah no you don't have to we we don't need best montages we need best uh use of landmarks what uh yep Last week, I took off the table Planet of the Apes. I think that's a great use of a landmark. It, it, it fits into the story. Uh, it has this meaningful reveal. Uh, you know, if, if you can come up with anything that even equals that, we're doing great. But I, that right there is like one of the classic uses of a famous landmark uh, in a movie. Um, there's a crappy one that I also mentioned in Munich where Steven Spielberg feels the need to, to basically all but zoom in on the World Trade Center after showing us his movie about uh, Israel's response to terrorists, blah, 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 whatever. Crappy use of a, of a landmark. What I want from you guys are good uses of landmarks. Um, Kelly Wan, you will be introducing next week's 3x3, so you get to go first. What do you think of that? 
<sighs> Kelly Wand, will you show us the dance? Do the dance, Kelly Wand. <laughs> Dingus this said I was going to do one that he was certain I was going to do or something. Dance? No. What? What? But I didn't know what he was talking about, so we'll see if he did it. All right. Oh, right, as far as you guys overlap in your picks. Yeah, well, we'll find out. But, but first, Kelly, what is your number three pick? Oh, And maybe you sorry. can a line from the movie. Uh, all right, wait, I have to remember one. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, there is no sanctuary. Oh, uh, Hunchback of Notre Dame, and it is the, uh, oh, the Notre Dame Cathedral. Am I right? Uh... Wait, there's a cathedral? <laughs> anyway. <clears throat> this one's sort of convoluted, so you got to bear with me. But the Lincoln Memorial Logan's Run was, when I saw it, it was like the same year I'd seen It's a Mad, 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 Mad World. And there's like a scene in that where like a, uh, a black dude flies into Lincoln's lap in the memorial. And I didn't understand that because I was like six. And so my grandma tried to explain it to me, and I go... I didn't understand because there's no reaction shot. And then Logan's Run, I think it's supposed to be funny too. And then I realized statuary can be funny, but it's got to be somebody old. Hmm. So in Logan's Run, there's a gimmick with the Lincoln Memorial? Yeah, because they go, oh, look, he's old. See, he didn't have a crystal on his hand. Ah. Therefore, he has an ape's head. (laughs) No. (laughs) But... You know, I saw the Lincoln Memorial in two movies in the same year when I was six, so I got to analyze it a lot by chance mm-hmm. that most kids don't get, and I realized it'll never be funny. Except right. maybe Planet of the Apes was all right. Because he's so, not old enough. And that's what I was thinking during did you, like during Vampire Hunter. It was like, it, it's because he was too young. Well, maybe Daniel Day-Lewis can address that uh, this this Christmas. When? What? There's a link. There's a link. There's a Lincoln movie with Daniel oh. Day Lewis and pretty much every other actor that you like, uh, but directed by Steven Spielberg. So that's the that's the drawback. Oh, the man who made Munich. So is it going to end with a Lincoln Memorial pan? Like, ah, oh, this could be you if you don't shape up. That's going to be the title of his biography: The Man Who Made Munich. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds. No, it sounds terrible. Don't do that. All right, Dingus, what do you got that tops Welcome. the Lincoln Memorial and Logan's Run? And maybe you can give us a line from the movie. All right, is that the line from it? I was no, no, this is not the one, surprisingly enough, no. Uh, here's a line from uh, from my uh, choice for number three. Mm-hmm. Maybe you should have left town a little bit earlier, huh? Maybe you should have left town a little bit earlier, huh? He's such a bad actor, I can never tell what the fuck he's doing. <laughs> That's a terrible line. <laughs> said that. There's not a lot of lines from this movie that are very quotable. It's, it's probably the Untouchables. I'm just going to say the un- Untouchables or Midnight Run. Oh, God, if it's Midnight Run, I'm going to fucking kill myself. <laughs> Midnight Run uh, could have been used, but I did not use Midnight Run, because I don't think the landmark is worthy enough. It appears in a lot of movies, but it's not really a landmark. So, no, it's not Midnight Run. Um, it's said shortly before um, the face of the Statue of Liberty comes flying down the road. Oh, yeah, yeah, sure. That's a good one. All right, so this is obviously Cloverfield. And, oh, yeah, uh, yeah, this is a good one. 
I freaking love this moment in Cloverfield where, uh, and, uh, this is one of those weird, uh, tasers that I was allowed to watch for some reason and then really pays off in the movie. It's just such a great moment where you see this thing come flying down Fifth Avenue or wherever they are and then it lands and it's the face of the Statue of Liberty and then they turn around and, and HUD is, is saying, did you see that? And you see a glimpse of the, of Cloverfield. Wait, and then everyone takes pictures of their phones. Exactly. That's that's awesome, too, that people are holding up their phones right in front of the face of the Statue of Liberty that's all scarred and ripped up. Wait, and that's I can, my number I can three. see that. This is better. This is right. You've already picked Logan's run. Ha-ha. <laughs> <laughs> I was stupid. And I can see that happening, This the monster emerging from the ocean and just striking out at this thing it's not random it's 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 purposeful and i i just love that it's it's effective and thrilling and and uh ridiculous and i i just love that moment yep good all right i didn't have a cell phone when i saw that movie and i thought this i didn't get that but now i would totally like if uh i wait i'd like hope disasters happen so i can capture them <laughs> with your cell phone <laughs> yeah it's exci- it's like something finally i can that's worth photographing because most things aren't let's get real uh well hang out in new york long enough and maybe a giant creature will come out of the water i'm just talking about <laughs> <laughs> all right i need y'all's help for my number three i haven't seen this in forever and i'm mainly going on what i remember uh i'm also going on the fact that i've seen it in other movies i recall it here first and i think it's even more appropriate in this movie i'm going to pick uh, but I'm going to mention real quick some other movies. Uh, so in one of the X-Men movies, isn't there like a really cool scene with Nightcrawler like bamfing through the White House to yeah. president or something? Yeah. Uh. Uh, and in the G.I. Joe trailer, they show uh, a Cobra or whoever the bad guys are like unfurling a big old banner on the White House. They've seized the White House. Um, but the so. So the White House, of course, very evocative thing. It's a symbol of American power. Oh, here's another one. In uh, 2012, that that crappy uh, disaster movie that Roland Emmerich did, doesn't a tidal wave drop an American aircraft carrier on the White House? Isn't that 2012? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so here, you, the White House gets abused a lot. Oh, and of course, Independence. You know, it might be screwing up other people's picks. But my favorite White House thing, as near as I can recall... Doesn't General Zod in Superman 2 go to the White House and, like, make the president kneel in front of him? And there's, there's like, shots of, like, him busting the seal. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like, is it doesn't the White House figure prominently in Zod basically succeeding at what he's trying to do? Yeah, and the president goes, Superman, come on. This is really embarrassing for me or something. <laughs> <laughs> like Superman shows up at that point. Yeah. What a pussy! That made me think. Mary, it's like, why would Superman help these people? Why? Why? Why does huh? Superman give in? There. What do you mean? He doesn't. That's the president, not Superman. Superman. Right, right. But doesn't Superman? Doesn't when Zod go to the White House? Doesn't Superman show up at that moment? Uh. He doesn't have his powers because Lois had to have sex with him without his powers because his sperm would knock her skull off. I don't remember where Superman does that kneeling thing. I don't know if you're... I don't remember. I just remember where he goes they both back to president. the... Uh, well, Superman has to do that. He, he has to kneel to him. Um, after it's better when he does the Mount Rushmore thing because they do it super fast with like one eye laser instantly and then all their heads are different. 
I don't remember, but the, but it, there's definitely some White House action going on there. Okay. Yeah. But that, that's, that would be my number three, is the uh, use of... Is Superman 2 good? Like, Superman 2 is like a good one, right? Like all the fighting stuff with the, the city fight at the end. Like, isn't Superman 2 good or not, Kelly Wand? I feel like you would know this. I liked it at the time, but I was like seven. What do I know? You don't think it holds up? I remember thinking when when I saw three, like, okay, this is a sheer drop in quality from last. <laughs> right. Something's definitely missing from the scale. But I don't know if it holds up because it was like Donner got fired midway through, and so Richard Lester added like comedy bits in it. But it kind of makes it funnier to me. I think Donner. I think it's one of those things that shouldn't have been good. And also, don't they go to the moon too and like kill a bunch of astronauts? Oh, like in Armageddon. Yeah. <laughs> and also the big heavy, the heavy uh, of the three guys from Planet Krypton, right? Like blows a sign over, and that's how strong he is. I mean, they, they, the fighting looks pretty goofy. And Superman 2? Yeah. You know what else sucks about Superman 2 and Superman? Like, at the end, he does a power you didn't even know he had. Like, how did he even know he had it? Like, he can reverse time by fucking up gravity, which causes... It's just like R2-D2 being able to fly. But the second one's like, he makes... He kisses Lois, and it gives her amnesia for, like, three months. The past three months. Like... He knew he could do that. Like, how did he? Did you do that? Another chick to know he could do that, or was that the first time he tried that shit? The amnesia kiss, Tom. Don't know. Don't know. I I, I did not. Care. Yeah, I did not do my homework. I just remember the White House stuff was was pretty cool. I, after a long, there's a long string of White House scenes. I didn't want to talk about Superman two for twenty minutes. <laughs> that's an that's an awesome title though, Kelly one. The amnesia kiss. Will you write that? I do. That should be a that should Boy, be a quick novel. Uh, does anybody else have a White House one? Because Tom made me think of another one that I wanted to talk about. But I, you know what sucks about the White House and why it, Independence Day didn't get this is like it's not a very interesting looking building. So when what? it blows up, it's just eh, it's not that good. The what's the what's the round one? The memorial, not the <laughs> um, like the Washington Monument's cool because it's just a giant dick. But I don't know. The White House looks pretty cool. To me. What? No, it's why. Congress is the one with the dome. Like, it's the Capitol building, has a dome up top. Nobody no, cares doesn't. Nobody cares if they blow up uh, that building. They, people Cap, would it's cheer. It's the Capitol. Dome? People would cheer if that one got blown up. Congress is, is, is uh, widely reviled. They uh, wouldn't know which one was which. That, there's that as well. But the White House, no, everybody knows the White Americans House. Americans can't find the White House on a map, I read. Somewhere. You're from Canada. No wonder you don't like the White House. Yeah, Kelly no, we don't even need a White House up here. We don't need government. We've we've set free the chains of bondage that you guys with your uh, Eastwooding. <laughs> Tom Clancy destroyed the Capitol at the end of one of his. Same for Bruce. Sorry, Kelly. On what is your number two pick for best use of a landmark in a motion picture event? I feel mine are all dumb because they're all sort of personalized to me instead of the architecture. I guess. I guess I don't really get architecture or monuments, like why we have them. Okay, that's what this is about. My number two is Last Emperor, Tom, because... Uh, Forbidden City? Yeah, the Forbidden City, something I hadn't seen before. And I was really interested in, like, all this architecture design for ceremonies and titles and traditions and protocols, because none of that does anything for me. So it was really exotic, something I hadn't seen before. Okay, good. A very active inner life, Tom. 
Uh, all right, the Forbidden City and Last Emperor. Nice that we get a little uh, Eastern flavor. So I, I suspect everyone was just going to pick Western monuments. So I prefer good. the term "classy touch." It's very classy touch, Kelly Wand, with a, with a little uh, little touch of Orient. Dingus, what is your number two pick? And maybe you can give us a line from it for a motion picture with use of a monument that isn't terrible. Uh, this is the one I was uh, certain Kelly Wand would have on his list, and here's a, here's a quote from. Mm-hmm. I don't like the way te- Teddy Roosevelt is looking at me. Is it a Hitchcock movie? Yeah. Wait, did you say yeah? Yeah. See, I don't like this one. I love this one because so I don't understand what they're doing there. It's kind of out of the blue. Uh, yeah, I agree it, with Tom. Kind of. Have like you in, watched it lately? Because I watched no. it again, and it's well, yeah. so well used. It's I mean, I so it last, well right, used. It's well used, but it doesn't belong there. Like it doesn't. It doesn't. It's just randomly. It's. It's like they thought, "Hey, let's go shoot." Well, explain what it is. What it, What is your picking? Also, why is a crop dusting field a monument? I don't understand. Well, because uh, farmers are true Americans, and they're more real Americans than San Francisco Americans, so I don't know what your problem is. Dingus hates the birds. <laughs> All of them, individually. Birds. All right, this is obviously North by Northwest, and this is Mount Rushmore. Um, <sighs> and I, oh, I love this. I love this so much. Well, no, it's it's so beautiful, and it, you see it. So many times, and I think it's Hitchcock playing with this this whole monument thing. I think he's really messing around with it. You see it in the background. Uh, yeah, but it's it's ridiculous that it's this. I mean, that's yeah. great. And he then didn't use the space. I don't know. Are you kidding? He didn't use the space. They leave, like they it. run away from the house and they run up to the behind the domed heads. And he says, "Oh." We're on the top of the monument, and you see the back of their heads. And no one as they're climbing that. down, they're climbing down noses, and there's there's the faces of the monuments are all. He didn't use it. Shut up. He uses it perfectly. He, it's, it's like a train face. car. Is like the last half of that whole scene. Like it's barely. Even yes, up. and you love that. You love that when I when I use that for my transition thing. Um, yeah. He uses it perfectly. I mean, I totally understand Tom's argument of the seeming arbitrariness of us suddenly showing up at the uh, Rushmore Monument to have this scene, and there's the the, hench, the, uh, the bad guy's villa is on top of it. I understand that. That's and prime, think, that's uh, prime arch villain. Monument. That's prime really arch villain real estate, by the way. Arch villains yeah. love to locate near Mount Rushmore. They're spies, too, so they're hiding out on an American monument. So, so I totally accept um, to the right. argument that it's a ridiculous thing that happens, but you cannot say that it's not well used, because it is used it is used to a great extent in this. It's, but he it's could have done the Statue of Liberty. He could have done uh, the uh, Colossus of Rhodes. He couldn't have done Statue of Liberty, uh, Kelly Wan, because they already did that in Remo Williams' The Adventure Continues. Oh, that's true. That was that same year. Did I did I trump your number one, by the way? Was that your number yeah. one? Wait, which one of those was the number one AFI film that was picked over Susan Kane? Remo Williams' The Adventure Continues? No, no, no. That Vertigo. was it. Oh. Vertigo. Ah, right, right. Oh, I love I love North by Northwest, and um, there's so many silly things in it. But I, it's another one of those things where I, you know, I just want, I want, I just wanted to see that scene this week, and I couldn't help but watch it because Cary Grant is just hilarious in this movie. Um, 
And I just, I just love what he does at the end. He's this, he's just such a great hero in this because he's just not supposed to be. And that whole escaping from the house and the airfield and then running out and going down the face of Mount Rushmore, it's just so bold and audacious. I, I, I love the way that Hitchcock uses Mount Rushmore. I think I have a question for you. Does he ever pretend to be insane? Like, isn't North by Northwest a quote from Hamlet pretending he's insane? Uh, I am mad north northwest. I don't think he ever says bye. But isn't um, that what it's a reference to? Like, does Cary Grant ever pretend to be insane in North by Northwest? And if not, why is it called that? I don't know. I don't know why it's called that. I think it's I just used to know the answer to this. All right, it's some goofball reason that you just go. All right, like it'll make Dingus go. Yes. Yeah, Doesn't he mess around at the auction? Doesn't he pretend to be? I, you know, he never pretends to be insane. All right. He gets poison and they think he's drunk. It's a really good movie. But it's like, after the he cop does shit, you want something even awesomer at the end. And then, I don't know, Rushmore is kind of like the weakest sequence. Oh, I love that. I love well, that. see, I'm, I'm, yeah. I, I love the sequence, but I just don't feel as far, it just feels gratuitous as far as this is our choice of monument. And I mean, but I do like, I mean, it's, a, it's, it's famous. It's certainly the best use of Mount Rushmore, if that was a three by three. But I just don't get why it's, why it's there. Uh so, but it, anyway, I do. It's go, probably go better Rushmore, and Rushmore is better number two. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, here's my number two. Uh, and this actually applies to multiple movies, but uh, I just love the relationship between King Kong and the Empire State Building. Uh-huh. Um, I, it, <laughs> I don't, though, because it kills him, so fuck that building. But you know what? It's the triumph of civilization over the natural order. Mm-hmm. You know, the, 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 natu- <laughs> the natural order might rise up from time to time and, and wreak a little havoc, but you know what? With air support it. We're in charge now. You know, civilization is one. New York will always win out over Skull Island or whatever that place is. But he, he got his ass kicked on Skull Island, too. Like, he, he loses twice. Like I know, it's sad. There's a, King Kong is a tragedy. I know, I know. Not we're just dicks. Thing. It's like, we're dicks, and she doesn't appreciate, I don't know. But I just just the the iconic imagery and and just the Empire State Building is representing this 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 pinnacle of you know New York City. Uh, that's what that is, and uh, I love that. Even though I can't imagine this holds up, but I love that in the 1970s King Six. Kong 76. I think that sounds right. You know that. Uh, Dino De Laurentiis put him on the World Trade Center. Yeah. Uh, she has two towers. Well, and I remember, too, seeing the poster where he's straddling the Straddling towers, him, yeah. Batting down a jet, and it, the, the, the scale of the poster completely off from the scale of the movie. Why didn't the guy who did the poster write the movie? It's my fucking question. Exactly. So, Kelly, one, here's another one. You'll know this one. Uh, it's not the same as King Kong on the Empire State Building, because this movie is kind of like... B monster movie trash, uh, but in Q, you know that movie Q, the Winged Serpent. Moriarty. Yeah, with Michael Moriarty, he's amazing in it. Uh, the the poster was done by Boris Vallejo. Is that how you say his last name? So. That fantasy guy. The poster was done by him, and it is Q on the Chrysler Building. You, you know, Q that movie is they they famously used a lot of footage. You know, they shot in, they did some guerrilla shooting in the Chrysler Building, and there are a lot of great. <laughs> No, it's not about Q. It's not about no. a gorilla. It's about a, a wings. Uh, but they they used you know they did some great stuff. You know the Chrysler Building figures very prominently in in Q, um, but it doesn't have anywhere near the sort of thematic. Yeah, 
unity of... I don't know the Chrysler building very well. I don't like buildings... Oh, you will if you see it. Companies. No, you will if you see it. Right. You will. You definitely know the Chrysler building, Kelly. Airport should be shaped like planes. I have very advanced theories on all this. <laughs> all right, so uh, King Kong Empire State Building uh, is my number two pick. Wait, wait, this the 2005 one? Or Both. Old? Oh. The original, yeah. You can't do that on a 3x3. Three three. That fucks up the percentiles. You should be the first to condemn such chicanery. If I had to pick, I'd go with the... Hey, gosh, what year is the original? Isn't that like 1936 30, or something ridiculous? Nah, with, before even that. No. Still, everyone's still in a good mood, you can tell, when they made the movie. They did not have movies before <laughs> 1936, Kelly Wand. No, that's what's cool about it. It's like they barely had speech, and then they made... <laughs> stop motion. <laughs> People... Humans had barely even started speaking in real life, and then movies were invented, and then they started talking. <laughs> Wasn't it 31 or 33? It's one of those odd numbers. That is amazing. All calm. Even like Casablanca. Like, that is amazing to me to think of movies that old that are still good. And how now it's super more modern and everything's lame. Like no, there are good movies, Kelly. Wong. Yeah, but you got to look many, hard for it. Right, but how many these things in like two days and it's better? And I'm sure you. there were crappy movies back in 1942 That's and 1931. That's a good point. They had tons more even. Yeah, they just pumped them out. But look what we pumped. But now they take three years to make something that shitty, like Prometheus versus. Yeah, they just put a lot more care in crappy movies these days. Oh. What? what are you talking about? <laughs> the more you know. Jesus Christ. Kelly what is your number one pick for use of a landmark in a motion picture? Oh, I'm very excited about this one. For okay. Once. Okay. My number one, uh, I'll do a line from it. Yes. Because <clears throat> I love to act. <clears throat> Happy Halloween. All right, I didn't do it right. Because he's supposed to be saying it, like, ominously. But I'm referring to... Halloween. Stone- yeah. Season of the Witch. Name the monument. Stonehenge. Damn. <laughs> What do you think of this trade? <laughs> I guess this. I guess I sh- that wasn't worth a damn because by then you you've, you've narrowed it down to one. But I retract the damn. It was poorly uh, worded. So explain Wait. explain the use of the market. Okay. And, yeah. Tell me if you agree with me on my thinking on this. Okay. Because that movie's already got. Here's the plot of that movie without Stonehenge. It's like a guy, like a psychotic toy maker with an army of robots in a small California town who's making Halloween masks with computer chips in them that make snakes come out of kids' brains when they watch TV commercial. But, so that's without, so that almost makes sense, but it needs one more thing where you go, oh, now I see what his plan is. He needs a block of Stonehenge. So it's ancient druids plus psychotic toy maker plus Halloween masks. All of that, Kelly Wand, is awesome. And I love especially the fact that it's in the Halloween franchise. I, I love the fact that it's a sequel to Halloween 2. God damn it, it's the best Halloween movie, and I hope that winds up on a Blu-ray someday. Who's that actor? Tom Atkins? Is that his name? Yeah. I love that, too. And it's not like uh, it's he's like a he's like a minor character actor from a couple of other John Carpenter movies. Uh, uh, wait, is Halloween 3? He's in I'm The Gar- Fog. He's the main guy in The Fog. That's right, yeah. No, that's not John Carpenter, is it? Halloween yeah, 3. Says he's that, sitting on Jamie Lee Curtis. No, 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 actually, you're right, wait, you're right, you're right. It's not him directing it, it's, uh... Fuck. His protege, like, stuntman guy. He did what Clint Eastwood did, he just, like, threw work to these fucking fuckwads. 
they just met on set. I did not remember the stuff about Stonehenge, Kelly Wan, but that's pretty brilliant. You know, it shoots a laser out of it, if I remember right, and that goes into TV stations, which he's somehow hacked from a laboratory. Ah, it's so good. Fuck. Kelly Wan, is the use of Stonehenge in Halloween 3 better than the use of Stonehenge in This is Spinal Tap? Uh, well, it's more to scale. (laughs) You know what? That would have been funnier if it had been super small. They'd gotten the wrong one. No, wouldn't be funny. All right, I like that, Kelly Wand. I like that very much. Dingus, yeah. what, do you, what do you got to top that? And maybe you can give us a line from it. I've got a line from it. You guys are going to hate this, and it's oh, going to totally break the category. All right, here we go. That ship sailed. <laughs> uh, the line is, you came to the late 1990s to avoid taxes. Who was your accountant back there? Ghostbusters? Wait, wait. Uh, Demolition Man? Time Cop. Okay, it's time travel. Total Recall, Robocop. Oh, no, it's one of the Terminator movies, I bet. No, there's no tax lines. I don't know, Dingus, have we seen it? Well, I know know you've seen it. I don't know if you've you've seen it since it came out. Okay, so I I apologize for this, but I had to choose this for my number one. Um, And and it's it's, it's a movie called Happy Accidents. And it's from uh, the year 2000, and it was directed by a man named Brad Anderson. Why would Tom, we hate this? Why would, I don't remember Landmark in it. it. No, I like it. You know who Brad Anderson is, don't you, Kelly Wand? He did, like, Session 9 and uh, that thing where Christian Bale didn't eat for weeks. Uh, Machinist. Machinist. Yeah. Um, I didn't see this one. I don't know anything about it. He also did a horrible train movie with Woody Harrelson as a train enthusiast who outsmarts Ben Kingsley by knowing how to drive a train. Mm-hmm. Uh, but anyway, so yeah, Happy Accidents is his first movie, and it's a time travel thing with Vincent D'Onofrio, isn't it, Dingus? Yeah, Vincent D'Onofrio and... Gwyneth Paltrow? Oh, good God. Tom! That's She's a national treasure. Uh, Chloe Moritz. Oh, wait, wait. So that is, it can't be Ka- Catherine I like Keener Tom's guesses. Chloe Moritz. I want them all to be true in parallel universes and watch all of them at the same time. She's a national treasure. Oh, oh, oh Hope Davis. Hope Davis. No, am I close? Am I in the right neighborhood? Listen to Dingus's silence. Dude. It's Marissa Tomei. Oh, oh, no. oh she is treasure. a national treasure. That's right, I forgot. All right, so the reason why you're going to hate it is because it's entirely subjective. Um, and happy accidents. Well, it, well, it's annoying because it's not the use of the of the landmark so much as how it affects me. Uh, so the problem here is that uh, Brad Anderson made this movie in 2000, but it did not come out until September of 2001. Um, the movie is entirely in New York, a lot of it in Brooklyn, but all over New York City. And uh, it's the first movie that I went to a theater to see after September 11th, 2001. Um, and I went to see it because... Uh, and I think I saw it on September 17th or 18th. I'm not quite sure. But this particular theater, the Sunset Five down in Hollywood, uh, was offering some sort of a deal where you, you come, come see a couple movies and we will contribute all of the ticket proceeds to the victims of 9-11. And so I, I didn't much feel like going to the movies after September 11th. And uh, my wife didn't much feel like going to the movies after September 11th. But we went down to see it, and I believe we went with you, didn't we, Tom? Oh, did we? Oh, I do not remember that. Wow. So we got to see two movies that day. One was Hedwig and the Angry Inch, and the other was Happy Accidents. 
Uh, and I had no idea what this movie was. I see this because I felt like I got to get off my ass and do something. And this is going to contribute money. And I feel like I should do something. And so we go to this movie and it's all in New York City. And so it's I really like this movie a lot. And it's, it's called Happy Accidents. And you it's went called to Happy that Accidents. right after 9-11. Just want to make yes. sure. Well, That's well, it was, it was playing. It's it's this okay. dinky little uh, dopey independent theater, um, and I like the people, the two people who are in it. I really like Vincent D'Onofrio and Marissa Tomei very much. Uh, so we went to see it, but the the problem is, I am watching this movie, and it's a really great little time travel romance movie. Um, and the entire time I'm sitting there, I'm just watching the background. I'm constantly watching the background. Am I going to see the Twin Towers in the background? Because it was filmed in 2000, so obviously they're going to be there if they're going to be there. And I'm certain I saw them a couple of times, and rather than making me sad, it kind of I don't know what it did, but I, I remember it making me feel okay for some reason, or giving me a sense of a little bit of hope. Um, when I watch it again, I, I know, I know when I watched it that I could see them in the background in a couple of scenes. In particular, in one scene when they're on a pier on a roof talking to each other. And, uh, and I thought another scene when they were driving in New Jersey, where you could see the, the Twin Towers in the background. Um, and when I watch it again, I can't see it. And I don't see anything online. There's a, there's a lot of stuff online about uh, the World Trade Center getting scrubbed from movies post 9-11. There's nothing necessarily about this movie where that happens. Um, so th this isn't so much use of a of a landmark in a movie because the Twin Towers are not prominent in Happy Accidents in any way. It's just how it affected me. When Tom mentioned this, I immediately thought of Happy Accidents and how I felt sitting down. One of the first times I sat down in a theater after 9-11 and how that landmark affected the way I watched movies, especially this movie moving forward. So that's weird. It kind of breaks the category. I apologize. But I don't think no. That's that's great, uh, Dingus. Oh, do we? Uh, are movies still like movies aren't still scrubbing the World Trade Center from the frame? Are they? Like that's that that wasn't that something that just briefly happened? Like are there movies yeah. where it has been cut out and it's still not? Uh, and Zoolander, I thought. Well, there was Zoolander. There was that obviously the. Uh, it was in AI though, and I saw that after nine eleven. Well, there was the Spider-Man thing where where it was in the in the trailer. The trailer, where, right, right. And right, then right. it was just yeah. kept out. And there were there were other instances of it. I don't have them at the top of my fingers, but it's not being done anymore. And I don't know that it, that if if movies are being restored, that it would be done. Um, but I just remember at that time there was that sense of if people are going to be seeing movies right after this, we should right take that out. Right. What if they CG it in and then take it out? Why would they do that? Just to be respectful, but also prove that they could do it. <laughs> I, I'm with Dingus, though. I mean, it always, there is a definite, I, I want to call it a pang, but I'm not sure that's the right word. When you do see it in a movie that was shot before September 11th, uh, like I, I'm, I'm keenly aware when I see the World Trade Center in a New York movie. And it's, a, it's, it's a great thing. Like, I, I, I like it. I mean, I, I feel something, and I, it's, uh, you know, I, I, I love seeing the World Trade Center in movies. Um, so. I, do, I do, too, but I, I just remember how, how aware I was of the background in that movie rather than, well, not rather than, but in a, I don't watch 
the skyline when I'm watching two right. characters have a conversation, but I was constantly doing that. Yeah. Do you think if one tower had stayed up, we would have left it? Or just gone, let's start from scratch. There's also this, this wonderful thing that happens in the movie thematically, where uh, the character, uh, Vincent D'Onofrio's character, Sam Leeds, has drawn a picture of the girl he's looking for from a photograph he found. And there's the, there are these pilings behind her. Um, and in one of the, one of the pictures, the, the pilings just look like two towers standing behind her, but they're just pilings that are going into the ocean. And I, and I could just, I can imagine myself, and I'm not sure that this is the case, but watching it again, I felt this way. I can imagine myself seeing that shot of that picture and going and thinking of the Twin Towers because it's reminiscent of that. So I, I think I was just overwhelmed at that moment because, again, it was the first movie. It was the first time I really remember leaving the house for an extended period of time. And I went with you? I, I'm almost sure you did. It's a double I, I can't, feature. I can't promise that that happened, um, but I, I think we. I think that's when we went to see Hedwig, and, and at least Wendy and I stayed for Happy Accidents, but I'm almost sure you were there with us. Good. Well, but thank you for inviting me. I'm, I'm certainly happy to do so. My first movie after 9-11 was 13 Ghosts, I think, like later that same week. And I remember watching it and being uneasy by the idea of, like, perilous architecture in it. Like those walls that would slide around. And it, and it made me think of the World Trade Center. Hmm. I don't know what to do with that, Kelly Wand. <laughs> I, love, uh, I love the term perilous architecture, though. I do. I do as well. That and Amnesia Kiss. Kelly Wand, I want that to be your first novel. And Amnesia Kiss to be your second novel. Uh... Uh, has anyone here seen uh, Safety Not Guaranteed, that thing with Aubrey Plaza? Is it, isn't that a happy accident? It's kind of like a, a time travel romantic comedy thing. I haven't seen it. Okay. It just came out. Is that the Gremlins? No, that's Battery's Not Included. Never mind. No, no, it, it just came out. It was like from this year, and it's with that girl who's on Community or, or whatnot uh, from uh, from Funny People. Uh, and it's apparently a small indie comedy about time travel. And I just couldn't help but think, oh, it's got to be just like happy accidents. Um, oh, uh, yeah. It's just called... Uh, right, right, right. It's the guy from The League. You watch that. Oh, right, which I, I don't know that. Um, did you see that movie? I did not, no. But uh, I did see Happy Accidents, So even though I couldn't remember that that was Marissa Tomei. Um, all right, are you guys ready for my number one? I'm going to do a line, and it involves an accent. Are you ready for this? Oh, I'm excited. Here we go. This is for my number one. What are your legs? They're stale springs. What are you going to do? I'm going to run. <laughs> you like that? Batman, the Tim Burton one. How fast are you going to run? I'm going to run as fast as I can. See, that was my Australian accent. That was the call and response from Gallipoli. Uh, guys, a sprinter, see? Because uh, I just disappear into the accent that you don't even realize doesn't even make you think of the movie. So I understand that was tough. Uh, so my number one pick is the pyramids in Gallipoli. Now, I, I didn't actually intend to pick this, and I went back and watched <laughs> Gallipoli and was like, holy cats, that stuff. I just vaguely remembered, aren't they at the pyramids at some point? 
Uh, and so I, I went back to uh, to look at this scene. And first of all, Holy Cats Gallipoli is great. I've forgotten about that. Um, but it's Peter Weir's uh, war movie about a, a misguided effort by the Australians to try to take... Um, Constantinople to, to, to attack the Turks during World War One. You know, everybody was dug in over there in Europe, and so the British were like, you know what, Australia, New Zealand, maybe even some Canadians, Kelly Wand, they're like, you guys go and take and, and attack the Turks, and it'll be great. We'll do a naval landing there. It ended up being a disaster. There were all sorts of miscommunications. Uh, nothing really was accomplished, and they ended up pulling out. Uh, huge losses on either side, and it's a huge part of the Australian and the New Zealand national consciousness. They even have a day named after this. And Gallipoli is Peter Weir's movie about this, but it's not so much about this as it's about two characters uh, who just happen to go through this. Uh, and by the way, it's another one of those things where the poster is an enormous spoiler. The poster <laughs> is literally the final frame of the movie. And that would drive really crazy. Yes. Oh, my God. Yes. So annoying. Um, yeah, I can see it in my head. No. Oh, God, it's so annoying. And the final shot, it's a freeze frame, too. And they, they splash that freeze frame up on the poster. Uh, but Gallipoli is great as a war movie because it, it portrays war basically as a bunch of kids. It, it, it's like they're in the Boy Scouts. It's like these rambunctious kids joining a group and they're just hanging around and doing rough and tumble and they're camping out and, and traveling and going on field trips. And then, holy crap, they're getting killed. You know, it's like that kind of abrupt thing, like that transition in Deer Hunter almost. Um, so it's a great war movie, but there's a great sequence where once they've signed up in Australia, they ship them out to Egypt for training. And their training takes place at the base of the pyramids. And there's a, there's a sequence there that I'd totally forgotten about where they're all playing rugby. And Mel Gibson, is uh, he's the most famous guy. And Mel Gibson is one of the guys, and, and one of his friends... Uh, while they're having a rugby match, is explaining to them about the pyramids that, you know, that's not just a monument, that is a tomb. You know, that's where the pharaohs were buried. Uh, and that is mankind's first attempt to defeat death. And the beauty of Gallipoli is that as a war movie, it is never preachy. You've got this great little moment where an ancillary character is, is, is expressing this, and Mel Gibson is just like, yeah, yeah, whatever, keep your mind in the game, I want you to take that guy. Mel Gibson totally ignores what this guy has just said, this point about the pyramids. Um, but he's a kid. He's a kid, exactly. He wants to play Whatever rugby. Teacher, right. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so then they play rugby, and then Mel Gibson meets his friend from Australia, and they're the two main characters in the movie. And when they meet, they, uh, they're both sprinters, and they originally met having a race against one another. And they say, okay, let's have a race to the pyramids. And they race to the pyramids. They're running through the streets of... Uh, is that Cairo, Alexandria? I don't, I'm afraid I don't know where the pyramids are. But they're running through the streets, and they run to the base of the pyramids. And then, as night is falling, they climb the pyramids. And there's this great shot, because you're used to seeing the pyramids as pyramids. But when you're up close to them, they look like this jagged stack of rocks. It's not smooth. And so there's this, this great scene of them climbing the pyramids. And when they get to the very top, as it's, as it's nighttime, there's a shot of them carving their names, Frank and Archie, in the stone. And Peter Weir moves the camera across the stone where other people have carved their names there. And one of the names are French soldiers in Napoleon's army. You know, saying, we are so-and-so, we're in Napoleon's army, and then it comes down. And it's just sort of this this sweeping 
uh, shot of kind of the folly of war um, carved into stone where men are trying to defeat death. Uh, and I just love how the pyramids are, are a huge character during this middle part of the movie before they then get shipped to the shores of Turkey where they are, are basically killed. Um, but so that, that's my pick. And Gallipoli sure does hold up. Man, Peter Weir's movies, like early Peter Weir, like pre-green card. <laughs> Peter Picnic Weir. Hanging Rock's good, too. Yes, yes. It's a very good one. Yep, yep. And even uh, Gallipoli rules, and yeah. the pyramids are the best uh, monument. And Picnic Hanging Rock's kind of about a monument too, so it's weird. Well, Hanging Rock is kind of yeah. Like I think Australians might actually know, like that might isn't that an actual place? What Hanging Rock? Like isn't that... I looked that up. I wasn't clear on that. Okay, I couldn't decide if I, I believed what I was reading basically. But the pyramids there's very few movies that use them well even though they're really odd like but they weren't they smooth at one point and then just they're so fucking old that that's why they're corrugated enough to carve your initials in i did not know that well when they're climbing up them you don't you know you're having to like it's like walking up steps right they're like stairs uh but they're super rough and yeah it just looks like a big pile of square rocks you're not allowed to climb them anymore are you no good lord i I can't imagine but but they were when they made gallipoli um, or they that's faked. a good question. Yeah, I don't know if they faked it. Uh, I, that's a good question, Kelly Wand. Don't uh, know the answer to that. I didn't know about the initials. I wonder if that's true. It's got to be true, right? They what, should. carving their names? Well, that that's probably he, why, that's why right. people can't climb on them anymore, because everybody's writing their names on the pyramids. But Peter Weir went, hey, I'm going to put this in the movie, so it'll be <laughs> to show people what they can't do anymore, I guess. <laughs> Psych. Yeah. Uh, that's a good one. I like that movie too. It's no Chrysler Building from Q. Uh, Carved his initials in it, Michael Moriarty. Gallipoli does rock though. So uh, yeah, I uh, and it it's also great. And I I totally and I got that whole thing. It's great. Yeah. Uh, I'd forgotten too. So Gallipoli's 1981 and. Back then, we used to do this. So we just saw Lawless this week, and Lawless has some anachronistic music that I was kind of annoyed by at times. Yes. But if you guys remember Gallipoli during the running scenes, they play that, uh, what's that guy's name? Uh, uh, Tangerine John? Dream. It's like Tangerine Dream, but it's not. It's Angelus. No, it's like that, but it's not. Uh, John Michael so Jar, cool. isn't that his name? Jare, I don't know how you say his name, but it's this famous like boppy electronica piece. I don't memorize the names of musicians with three names. <laughs> but that's what you get in Gallipoli, uh, and it's the same. Like it's, it's Maurice, it's Maurice Jare. It's the same guy who did Mosquito Coast. It's one of my favorite soundtracks. It's Maurice, isn't it? I don't. I think it is a Jean Michel or Jean, maybe maybe they're right. related. Um, you remember the music from Mosquito Coast? I love that. I, and that's another Peter yeah. Weir movie. That's why I right. say that. Ah, right, right. Very good, Dingus. Uh, and I love Mosquito Coast. I, 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 maybe it's not Maurice, but it is. You're right. You're right. Uh, and Kelly Wan, of course, mentioned a, a reference to another Peter Weir movie in the synopsis with a little Should witness. Oh, uh, nope. yeah. It's, yeah. So, I don't remember the... Oh, yeah, I do. Uh, runners up for <laughs> best... Monuments. I guess the barn is the monument in Witness, or the silo, or Kelly McGillis's. No, she's the monument. Keepers. <laughs> Ouch! Uh, I know that was lame. I'm an asshole. Delete that, please. Uh, Dingus, any runners up for you? Oh, I've got a few. Yeah. 
when, uh, when you when you this wasn't one I had planned, but when you talked about the White House, all I could think about was idiocracy. <laughs> I don't remember the White House. Oh, the inside. <laughs> they're sitting around the White House, and somebody's knocked out a wall, and they're having a meeting inside uh, the White House. One, actually. Fuck. Um, Wait, uh, is that I the only also... monument in that movie, Dingus? There's probably more. That's they, have the, they have the... There's like a diorama of the UN building with the Nazi dinosaurs taking over. Or, there's something okay, about, that's like... That's number one. <laughs> <laughs> it's like their version of history. It's uh, and it's... And it's something about dinosaurs, Nazi dinosaurs. There's only one of it in the whole world, right? But everyone still goes on it. <laughs> God damn. Uh, all right, Dingus, uh, what else? Uh, I also really like. Uh, I don't know if this. You know. You know what Irish Rock is? No. It's it's a famous, huge, gigantic rock in Australia, and it's basically the setting for Cry in the Dark, which was that Dingo movie based on Evil Angels. Um, so when I thought about Irish Rock, I, I wondered if, if Lake Mungo would turn out to be a, a landmark for you guys. Ah. Well, see, because um, I've never heard of Lake Mungo except for the movie, so... I thought they had to be false, or I mean man-made, not false. <laughs> false idols. <laughs> but not natural landmarks. That's and the other two, uh, there's... Uh, there's um, oh, God, I can't remember his name. The, the big dude holding the axe in Fargo. What's his name? Peter Stormari. Oh, Peter Stormari, yes, Babe, and the and the blue ox of Peter Stormari, and then uh, and then of course the goofy one would be the uh, the Golden Gate Bridge and View to a Kill. Oh, why not uh, Rise of the Planet of the Apes? Uh, because I love uh, and X Men Three. I love Christopher Walken clinging to it and then giggling as he falls. <laughs> Do you remember uh, the yeah. fight? On He's on drugs though. Yeah. Oh, I just love that fight. And there's I a blimp remember. attached to the bridge, too, so it's two stupid things. Yeah. <laughs> and there's a, a sad little plane. <laughs> I, just, I just love that goofy, <laughs> little beautiful plane girl. <laughs> Wait, in that same scene, there's a sad little plane and a blimp Isn't there? and a bridge and Stonehenge and Halloween masks. No, yeah. I don't remember the plane. Grace Jones. I, she I thought has, they, she's like, plane-shaped head. I thought they land like a plane, and and uh, there's a plane on top of the Golden Gate Bridge. Maybe it is a blimp. I don't remember. All I remember is, yeah, is Christopher Walken clinging to the Golden Gate Bridge and giggling after this ridiculous fight with an axe with Roger Moore. And it's just a terrible fight. Yeah. Uh, and him fight. just falling off the Golden Gate Bridge. That's his death. Uh, if we go with natural landmarks, which are, are definitely allowed, I mean, of course, Devil's Tower and Close Encounters, but but whatever. Uh, a cooler one, I think, is that famous uh, impact crater in Arizona for Starman. Like, because remember, Starman is all about him getting back to that that first like landing site, uh, and then they figure out it's that impact crater. That what's that crater in in Arizona? Dinosaur one that killed all the dinosaurs. No, I don't oh. know. There's. I don't know that it killed, up, that's man. the one that killed all the dinosaurs, but there is a famous big old impact crater in Arizona, and it does figure prominently oh, in the Oh, you mean Star great, can- great, 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 great Grand Canyon? Great Grandma Canyon? <laughs> it's, not, <laughs> it's not the Grand Canyon. It's just a hole that... Uh, uh, As opposed to the Grand Canyon. That's not a hole. Yeah, it is. It's a what furrow. It? It's a furrow. Oh, uh, we got to make words because it's so big. It's a, it's a, much... it's a rivulet. Ooh, too soon. It's... If Stonehenge was made from all the stone that was missing from Grand Canyon, that's a fucking monument. 
till then, not impressed. <laughs> isn't and, isn't Wolf Creek around a cr- yes. uh, similar? <laughs> so the thing is, Wolf Creek though, wins. Wolf Creek doesn't take place. I mean, it's not about. I don't. Is it called Wolf Creek? Because it's a crater. They go to that whole crater at the beginning, and there's that cool little misdirection about the guy's watch not working. And but yeah, there's a great crater that they visit at the beginning of Wolf Creek. Creeks are so similar. It's not a creek. Like I don't think it's called. I don't. Why is Wolf Wolves Creek called on the other Wolf hand, Creek? Very distinctive. It's called, it's like Wolf Creek National Park or something because I remember that sign. But they're going to see this crater. Right. Right. What about Lake Placid? That's a really <laughs> awesome. <laughs> How still the water is so memorable. All right. So next week, Kelly Wan, what do you have for us for our three by three? Oh, I had. Remember how I said I had two left in my trilogy of awesome ones? I thought of an even better one during this podcast. Oh, so you've changed it. You're, you called an yeah. audible. Yeah, I called an audible. So there's two good ones after this. Although maybe you won't like this one because it's spur of the moment. But okay. I was thinking about it, and then I wrote it. So here it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, remember, I was talking about before the podcast where, like, a shutdown for if someone says hello to you is yeah, I see you, like. Conversation's over. Or, um, I'll burn an ace. This is a good one. I feel bad about this. But in Speed, Sandra Bullock is talking to uh, Cameron from Ferris Bueller. Alan Ruck? Alan Ruck. Who has so, a great part in uh, Justified, by the way. Yeah, as the dentist. Hey, very good. Kelly uh, Wanda's Wanda seen Justified. Awesome. I thought you didn't like Justified. I thought me and Dingus were the I, I came around, and I came around on the wife, too, uh, by the way. And I'm, I'm in you guys' camp you now. You still hate Breaking Bad. Don't like Breaking Bad, but I'm liking Justified. So, so anyway, so uh, Sandra Bullock says to oh, okay. Alan Ruck, So Alan hey. Ruck's like hitting on her. Wait, wait, right. well, so he's going, uh, well, I guess it doesn't matter what he says, because it doesn't have to do with the shutdown, but like... He's all yeah. He's like a tourist, and he's taking a picture and being fucking dumb. And then she's all, "Oh, I want to keep talking to you, but there's gum under my seat, so I got to move." And then she like, I think she's using the gum that she had in her own mouth. She just like palms it and then raises it to his face on her finger and goes, "See gum." And then she gets up and walks away. <laughs> that's, that's perfect. There's gum on I my seat. I love that way. Yeah, this gum. So best yeah. uses of chewing gum? Oh no, best shutdown. <laughs> Like where involving chewing gum? It doesn't have to involve chewing gum. It doesn't have to even be dialogue. It can be but a, it has to be Sandra. Space. It has to be Sandra Bullock. It has to be Sandra Bullock, and it has to be from Speed. And Alan Ruck has to be the shutdowny. <laughs> Those so, are my like criteria. So you're looking for Any other lines? questions? Yes. So so lines where people shut other people down. Yeah, or get out, get out of a conversation they don't want to be in. Like, not interested, uh, Sam Spade, and your bullshit. Is, is Han Solo shooting the console uh, eligible? Yes. Oh, oh. oh. here Dingus is. Dingus had already planned it. Did you see yeah. how quickly he came in on that? I just, I just had to head off any Star. That was being Tom because that is a good one. I do not want us anyway. to talk about Star Wars for a half hour on next. All right, week. You know, look how much Midnight Run we're gonna fucking get because of you. <laughs> I have two words for you, Kelly Wand. See. Boring conversation. No, that was a, that was a midnight run reference. I was also going to take that one I off. Remember him? I don't remember. He, he didn't want to. He didn't want to say profanity. He's. Yeah. he's I have boring. two words for you, Kelly Wand. Shut the freak up. See. Uh, yeah. See what I did? I, I gave that's the actually TV. the only line I remember from that movie. Well, that was the TV. Wait, that's a shutdown too. So you just took away his, his other ace. This is good. I guess all dialogue is a shutdown. So it's the oh, scene. there's another good one in that. Oh, I got one from that one. Okay, oh, good. dang, he thought of one. Look, see, you, I blame you for this, chick. <laughs> Wait, save for yourself. 
great topic. Is, is shooting a sword fighter considered a shutdown? Yeah, it is. It's a good one. See, there's too many good ones. I guess I shouldn't be. It's the easiest topic we've ever had. All right, so uh, best shutdowns, verbal Shut- or otherwise. Okay. I don't think we need that as a qualifier, Mr. <laughs> I just I just throw words at these things and then see what happens. As opposed to what I do. Let's go to a movie next week, too. <laughs> yes. Let's stay on topic. Uh, we have no desire to see uh, a crappy horror film called Possession, so we're Some not going to do that. Do. Some of us do because they're, they're deluded into thinking it might be worth seeing. But I, uh, I think instead, if we're going to like catch up with something... Yeah, haunted box, whatever. I, I think it. Don't they even say in the trailer Remember how great the box was? What if it's even better than that? Don't they even say in the trailer that she's a dibbuk? Yeah. Oh no! See, that's, it's a, it's real. It's part of the Coen Brothers mythos, right? From Serious yeah, Man. Yeah. yeah. So see, so it's a prequel. Yeah, but I'm sure that there are haunted boxes and dibbuks in Expendables too. Oh God, really? Fuck. Yeah, yeah definitely. Sweating. Fuck. Uh, all right, so next week we will finally see The Expendables 2, uh, which we didn't see before. And we'll be doing. The we didn't even think about it before. Now suddenly we're doing it without much thought. We, we have a week to kill. Let's see it. Uh, what else do you get? It? The possession? Yeah. Uh, and we will be doing a 3x3 three three of best shutdowns. Maybe there will be some in Expendables 2 worth bringing up. Yeah, because bullets count. Yeah, who knows? Words are like bullets. So join us for that. I am Tom Chick. I have been joined by Christian McClanahan. It's Christian Morosky. And Kelly Wand. The planes shut down King Kong. <laughs> la la la. Is that the justified? It does sound justified, doesn't it? On this lonesome road. Ah, oh, I love that. Alright. Keep going, you might. Okay. I always think that the word Obama appears in that whenever I hear that theme song. Okay, then just stop talking about Hey, uh, I'm going to do my Canadote, and then Tom's going to tell us about a scene from Airborne. <laughs> Let's hear a little bit about Canada. What's happening in Canada these days, Kelly Wong? Okay, the cashier chick at the grocery store tonight asked if I had my rewards card, and I passed it to her. And even though she's in her late 50s and not pretty and seemed kind of serious, I JKingly went, don't worry, my paperwork's in order. Like, trying to do, like, an East Berlin, like, cute spy movie thing. And she just looked at me like, fuck you. <laughs> and then I said bye afterwards, and then she just stared at me. So I'm starting to think I like making women, uh, not angry, but, uh, yeah, angry. Airborne. Well, Dingus, guess we have to see Expendables 1 so we don't sound like dipshits next week. He's gifted, that boy. <laughs>